0: to our sister, Trish, that 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 very day, four weeks ago, she was being taken off of life support. And so for those of you who don't know, um, Trish was having uh, dozens and dozens of seizures and the doctors had exhausted all means of treating them. They had put her in a medically induced coma. They tried three times to take her out. Nothing was working. And um, so they began to take her out for what they said was going to be the final time. Here's Trish. Yeah. And here's Trish's family. And so we warmly welcome you. Yeah. Because together this morning, we all get to share our own resurrection miracle, don't we? Yeah. The doctors, they told me, the doctors just kind of came in and out going, what's going on? We've never seen anything like this before. In a 24-hour period, she began to breathe on her own. She began to open her eyes. The doctors said, all the virus is just cleared right out of her body. Pneumonia, gone. They said, we've never seen anything like this. We said... It's Jesus. (laughs) It's Jesus. So, Trish, your church family loves you. You know that. We've been praying for you, and we welcome you back. And as a small token of our welcome, um, the church has got some flowers that they want to give you, and kids are going to come bring those to you now. Thank you. You are welcome. You guys want to give her a hug? Yeah? So, church family, let's stand and uh, begin to praise the risen Lord Jesus Christ.
1: And so, as we get ready to enter into the sermon, just want to um, say a special welcome to the children who are joining us for the sermon this morning. Usually, they're dismissed to children's worship, but today um, we're all in here to learn together. And so, welcome to our children. And there is a special card, a response card, but it also has a nice blank um, back. And so if the kids didn't pick up an extra piece of paper to draw a picture, um, I invite you to give the children near you a piece of paper and a pencil because they may want to draw a picture of what they're hearing in the sermon or the parents or grandparents or whoever brought you might also want to take some notes. So we're going to be looking at Matthew Chapter 28, verses 1 to 10, 1553 if you're using the um, Bible in the chair. And so I want to tell you that even in this week, um, I don't know about you, but emotions have been all over the place. And I think that when we're in this week, um, we're experiencing the fallenness of life And so we still watch the news and we see and hear things that are really troubling in the world. And then we also have this um, mix of emotions around the um, suffering of Christ and then the joy of his resurrection. And so we come in here this morning with a mix of feelings. It affected the way that the sermon was put together, it affected the way that Thursday night prayer went. It affected the way that even we were trying to think of which songs because you want to be full of joy, and there's also this reverence, and there's this um, contemplative, reflective um, space. And so wherever we are, the Lord meets us here in the hearing of his word. And so let's look at Matthew, and I'm actually going to pull back up into 27, um, starting with verse 65. All right. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they, the soldiers, went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is God's good word to us today. Friends, this is our introduction. A slide that had multiple different pictures on it. And just nothing seemed good enough. I don't know if you've ever been to a concert where there's an opening band and, you know, it kind of leads up to the main act. It was like there is no story of compassion. There is no other story parallel that could introduce and be the opening act for today's message. Today, it's about Jesus. It's about his resurrection. It's about him who died on our behalf For the wages of sin is death, and so each one of us has sinned at least once in our life. We've done something wrong, and the consequences of that, Scripture tells us, is death, and he took our place on that cross, and so today, this is a story, the good news, that he not only died for us, but he rose for us. He's our everlasting king and Lord, and so today... This is a story about love, the love of God for each one of us. This is a story about Jesus Christ who all of history is oriented toward. If you look at history and you look at the markings of what is the date, it's either before Christ or it's, I thought that meant after death, but it actually means the year of the Lord. A.D., the year of the Lord. Well, some people have changed that marking system, and so now it's the common era or before the common era, but you notice they didn't change the point at which all of history is oriented. It's the life of Jesus Christ. Because we had a problem. Humanity had a problem. We had been created in love by a God who loves us and created this wonderful earth, his creation, and he just gave this one message, don't eat of this one tree, but because of their their um, disobedience, that's sin, disobedience, they ate of that one tree. Well, why did he give them a choice? Well, it's because he's loving and because he doesn't force himself. But because of that one sin, that one wrong thing, all of humanity fell away from and were separated from this loving God who created us. And so all through history, people have been looking toward when would the Messiah come, the one who would deliver us from our sins, who would save us from our sins. And so this story that we celebrate about a risen Christ is the story of the one who loved us and came to save us. It changed all of history. I want you to think this is birthday cards and death announcements up here. Who else in all of history are there people around the world for thousands of years who were anticipating their birth and then who celebrate annually their birth even after they've died? We send Christmas cards. We celebrate Christmas because that was Jesus' birth, Jesus' death on Good Friday. For years and years and years and thousands of years, people have been commemorating Jesus death and for thousands of years now we have been commemorating the resurrection of Jesus Christ who else in all of history I say this is the most important message that you will ever hear is that Jesus is alive and that in his love he came to rescue us and to bring us back into that loving relationship that each of us have always wanted. In order for us to appreciate the gift that He gives us, we need to look back. Last week, I don't know if you remember, but our children helped us celebrate with the whoops with the waving of palms. They're getting a little flimsy. All right, but last week we were celebrating, "Hosanna, Hosanna!" Jesus had come, and He was coming into Jerusalem. But something happened. And those of you that read the, every day we had a reading this week, and maybe some of you are guessing, you don't know, well, what were those readings? I want to recap that a little bit in the life of Jesus this past week. He faced empty promises as he was on his way to intentionally lay down his life as a sacrifice for us. He faced empty promises. His best friends, his disciples that hung out with him for three years, every day and every night, his best friends said, we'll never leave you. They were empty promises because they soon all scattered. His best friends, and he said, would you come away with me because I'm facing my death? Would you come and pray with me? Would you come? Anna, you work many shifts, and you are tired, right? Right, but if your best friend was facing something critical and they said, would you come with me, you'd probably do your best to try to stay awake, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, his best friends fell asleep, and he came back and said, can't you wake up? Can't you wake up? And three times they kept falling asleep, falling asleep. His best friends weren't there for him. They failed. A friend failed. He was disowned. It wasn't long before... Peter, who had promised that he would never disown him. Do you know him? No, I don't know him. Peter denied him. Have you ever had a friend reject you? Have you ever had a friend say, no, that's not my friend? Have you ever experienced that deep, deep hurt? Jesus experienced that in this last week. Love led Jesus to suffer for us, to take on the suffering to step into our brokenness, he was mercilessly mocked. The government took him and the soldiers stripped him down and they put like a royal robe on him because they were mocking him. They really didn't believe he was the king. They tortured him. They beat him. They bowed down to him in a mocking way, in a way that would have been very appropriate if they were sincere, to bow down. And yet, they did it mocking him. They put that crown of thorns on his head. Have you ever pricked your finger on a rose bush or on a pricker? And you know how that hurts? These deep, strong thorns crushed down on his head. They said that it would be like um, having like a palsy on your face, like the pain would be searing. His skin was ripped open. Maybe some of you have watched The Passion, or maybe, like me, you closed your eyes, peeked occasionally, and just the hearing of it was awful. He did that for us. He did that because the wages of sin is death, And the only one who could make that payment was somebody who was totally holy that had never sinned. Jesus was the only one. That's why I say this is the best news ever. He's the most important person that ever lived. God, who was fully man and fully God, Jesus, came to take this punishment, the Holy One, on our behalf to go to the cross And it was there where he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, who had always been in community with the Father and the Holy Spirit, never separated. And yet when the Father laid the sin on him, remember Isaiah, we talked about this. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all, the sin of us all. He underwent this baptism, this immersion, this holy Jesus who had never done a thing wrong, had all of the weight of every sin that's ever been committed from the beginning of time and fall right on through till the end on him. And his father had to look away. And he says, why have you forsaken me? And yet he commends his spirit to the father And he breathes his last, and he dies. And he's put in a tomb, and then they try to keep him there. They're worried that he's going to get out, or they're worried that his body's going to get out. And so the government says, yes, religious officials, we are going to give you these soldiers, and you go and make this thing as secure as you can. Who gets bodyguards? Usually it's people that are trying to be alive and stay alive, right? That's who gets a bodyguard protection. He gets bodyguards in his death. Keep him there. Keep him there in that tomb. They seal it. When they put a seal on something, that's saying this is who owns it and this is who can open it. And so they would put some wax. So they probably took a rope or something that looked very official And they put it there with a seal, probably a wax, with a signet ring that would show that only a government official who is authorized can open this tomb. And then they put guards there. They're saying, keep Jesus dead. Keep him in the tomb. He could not be kept in that tomb. He could not be kept in that tomb. But he did all of this. He went from Friday until today. Why did he do it? Jesus told us himself. He said, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus did that for you, friend. He calls you friend. Whether you know him or you're just going to get to know him. But he did that for us. He laid down his life. The Father's love sealed Jesus. That seal that was put on that tomb was subordinate to the seal of the Father's love on him, and so he could not be kept in that tomb. When God, the Father's will, was that it was time, there was a certain time it had been prophesied. There was a certain time, and he would be raised from the dead, and on that time, the Father speaks, And the guards are so afraid because here comes this angel of the Lord. The earth is quaking. Don't you know it's scary when the earth quakes? But the earth is quaking because God the Father is speaking, come forth, come out, and Jesus is being raised. The guards were so afraid of them, the angel, that they shook and became like dead men. When you encounter the supernatural power of the kingdom of God, We respond. We're physical beings created in God's image, and there will be a response. The earth responded by having an earthquake. And sometimes we respond by having some shaking going on. And if you don't know that you're a friend of the one who's causing the earthquake, that's a scary thing. And so these soldiers died. They're like dead. I imagine they probably just fell on out, and they're laying there. Here are these big soldiers who have been commissioned and it would be a death penalty if they failed in their mission and they can't do, bring themselves to do a thing in the presence of the almighty kingdom of God. Jesus' resurrection, his being raised from the dead, is a manifestation of the Father's love. And I want to think about and ask you to think with me about what this means, that God loves the world and he loves his son. Love restored the relationship of Jesus with his father. He had been forsaken. The father had to look away on the cross, but that relationship was fully restored when the father called him into this new life, when he raises him from the dead. That relationship with the father is restored. The love of God covers over a multitude of sins. And so Jesus, who had been contaminated, if you will, he had been dirtied by all the sin of the world, is suddenly able to be fully cleansed. There was no partial cleansing of Jesus, he was fully cleansed. He said, It is finished. The sin of the world was paid for, and he was cleansed from carrying that contamination. The love of God restores Jesus to all authority because we'll see, just if you look a little bit, a few verses down, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So the Father restores Jesus back into full, full authority. The love of God takes his son who did this mission, and he was so pleased, and he restores him back into that full union with him. Now, I think this is something that, as I've thought about this this week, that I think because we sometimes are a little heavier on thinking about Jesus as being fully divine, that we miss thinking about Jesus being fully human and what what it meant that he just went through this very traumatic week. He just went through major rejection. He just went through his friends betraying him. He just went through torture and being beaten, and being killed. He went through all of that, and he didn't even take any pain, that, you know, anesthesia when they lift that, that sponge with the wine and um, gall on it. That was a painkiller, and he refused to take any. He experienced it all for us. He experienced this brokenness, and yet he comes out of that grave... And he's fully ready to engage with the people who just had betrayed him, who had just hurt him, and he comes near to them because he's love and he forgives. Think about it. If any of us had just been through that, we would probably be having what they call post-traumatic stress syndrome. We'd have trouble with crowds. We probably would be really guarded in our hearts. We'd probably be afraid to let people get close to us. Jesus is fully restored and fully healed. He's healed physically. He was dead, and now he's alive. He was pierced, and now there's still scars there, but he's healed. They don't hurt anymore. He lets them clasp themselves around his feet. That would have been so, so painful, you would think, after just going through this huge ordeal Of having a big stake driven through there, and then the weight of your body going up and down trying to breathe. (sighs) And every time, probably just the flesh just tearing and tearing. And yet, he's healed. He stands on his feet, he can let them hold on to him. He is physically healed, he's relationally healed. He's able to, eager, and he's eager to be with the women, right? The angel told him, go, go, women, and go to Galilee and tell the brothers that he's going to meet them there. I think Jesus was so excited to see these women who had been brave enough to be close up to the cross. They had been close. The men had scattered. The women were standing fairly close. I think he was so eager to greet them that he met him on the way. He couldn't wait until Galilee when he would also meet the brothers. He was there, and he greets them. He calls the men brothers. He doesn't say, go get those men, or go get those guys that said they were my friends but abandoned me in my time of need. He says, go get the brothers. He is love. What he went through does not impact him in a negative way. What it does is it makes, he shines. He is so glorious. He is so full of love. And he says, I want to be with you. Go tell the brothers. I'm eager to meet. I want to show myself to them too. Greetings, he says, greetings. He's healed emotionally. He's healed physically. He's healed relationally. He wants them to go to Galilee because that's where the Gentiles are, is over in that area. He's eager for his love to go beyond the Jewish people and to go to every nation and every tribe. And our artwork often doesn't give good um, pictures to us about what Jesus probably looked like because he probably was a person of color. And so, this Jesus who wants to bring unity and bring us back into that place of what was the garden, right? The beautiful unity the way God designed it, this place of love where people get along. There's not the fighting. There's not the difficulties because Jesus just paid for that on the cross. Jesus is fully restored in every way in the resurrection. And Jesus is spoken of as the pioneer of our faith. And so Jesus, being fully restored, he pioneered the way through death, through sin, into new life. He's the pioneer, and we follow him. And so what's uh, possible for him is possible because we're in Christ. We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. It's a new life, and he invites us into a new, fresh life, a resurrection life. Worship is always the appropriate response. When we see what Jesus did, what he did on our behalf— Worship, adoration, being in awe of him. The women knelt down. They put themselves down there. And back in that time, oftentimes the kings, if they were coming in to conquer, they'd put their foot on their head and then crack their neck. They put themselves in that very vulnerable spot, and Jesus just loves them. And then he says, get up, because I've got another purpose for your life. You're going to go and tell Jesus, the pioneer, the one who makes possible to come into this loving relationship with a God who has loved you from the beginning of time. Jesus, the pioneer, we follow him and we come into this love and we respond to love with love. He says, go and tell. He tells the women, don't be afraid, go and tell. The angel told him, Jesus told him, And then again, Jesus would tell all the disciples together, go and tell. I think he said, don't be afraid, because women weren't used to being given those kind of opportunities to go and preach. And the women got the chance to bring the first Easter message. Praise God. He wants to reveal himself. And the message that he says is, I want to meet with you. And so when we invite friends to church or when we go and tell, our coworker, we go and tell someone, maybe our loved one, about Jesus. We don't have to be afraid because Jesus says, Don't be afraid. Because what you're doing is you're telling them about my love. You're telling them this good news that there's a Father in heaven who's wanted to love you from the time you were born. You just maybe didn't know about him yet. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. We might live not just a meager life, but an abundant, full resurrection life, a full life in Jesus. So what does this resurrection mean for us? Love restores those who believe in Jesus to the Father. I've said that before. Jesus is the way to the Father. Jesus is making a way for us to be in this loving relationship with the Father. So that means that even if maybe we've disowned Jesus, maybe we knew Jesus, but we've walked away just like those disciples did. Resurrection means Jesus invites you back. Come. I'm eager to meet with you. Come. He says, come to me. He's inviting us to come closer, to come back into fellowship with the Father, to come and live the fullness of the life that he's always intended for each of us. He restores that relationship. What does resurrection mean for us? It means that the Lord brings all manner of healing. And so if Jesus can be healed of the betrayal and the rejection, that means that there is no betrayal or rejection that we have ever faced in our life that we can't be fully healed from in Jesus, He's saying today is the day that I'm calling you to come into this resurrection life, to come into this fullness of the love of God, to let God heal those wounds too. Because Jesus was healed of those wounds, we can be healed of those wounds. It may be that he's calling us into a physical healing, like he healed Trish. We praise God that he healed Trish. We will all, at some point, unless Jesus comes back first, we will all die. But those who are in Christ will be bodily raised. We will be raised up from the deathbed, just like Trish was raised up from the sick bed. If we know Jesus, if we've accepted the love of the Father, He heals us. And sometimes He heals us along the way, even in this life. Right, Vic? Healed from cancer. Healed from psoriasis at times that was so bad. Other people, well, Betty is not here. She's visiting. I remember she said she's up in Greenville. But Betty healed from this bleeding. Remember, she had to go to Ann Arbor, and then the bleeding stopped. The Lord healed her. The Lord invites us to bring all of our needs because there's this resurrection love and power that he wants to bring into our lives at whatever level he wants to bring. But he, we've never seen him say no to an emotional healing. To say, I've got a hurt that hurts so bad. And the Lord just invites you to come and bring that hurt to him. Maybe you don't know him. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior today. Today is the day that he invites you to say Yes, I want to be in your love. I want to receive the promise of living forever. That when we die, that's not the end, but that we would be raised and we would have this opportunity to live in that beautiful place. Have you let his love change your timeline? Do you know, are you sure, that the love of Christ, you've said yes, To let him change your life timeline. Because today's the day. If you're not sure, if you've never done that before, today's the day that his love meets you here. Even as that tomb was sealed and when God spoke and said, come out, and there was life, I believe that for some of you today the Lord's speaking and saying, be born again, be Come alive. Dead hearts come alive. Hearts of stone become hearts of flesh. Why? Because Jesus is risen. Because he's alive. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though he die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Let's pray. Lord, as we stand and sit before your holiness... Even as you appeared at the tomb, you're present here and now with your love and your life. Lord, thank you that you give us warm invitation and that you say, don't be afraid. Lord, I thank you that because you live, we can take a hold of you, even as you've already taken a hold of us and you appear to us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us, help us to draw close to you, whether it's for the first time or whether it's coming back to you after being gone a long time. Lord, help us to say yes to the love That you have for us. Help us to say yes to the plans and purposes that you have for us. Lord, would you show us how to respond to you today? The women got on their faces right in front of you and were just loving on you. Lord, those disciples, they were so eager to meet with you that when you said come, they just came closer to see you and spend time together. And Lord, I, I really do believe that some of those guards were listening and that they. Came into the kingdom. Lord, would you help us to respond to you? Would you help us to step into the love that you have for us, each one of us, Lord? It's about you, it's about you.